welcome to Christmas Eve. Man, that means so many good things. It means so much busyness, possibly, and before you have to go on to that, I'm just going to ask and pray that you just breathe in and out today, and that you would hear a message from God's Word, that He would speak to your heart. Today is the fourth Sunday of Advent. Advent are these four Sundays leading up to Christmas. Means coming. We remember that Jesus came. And as we finish this up today, we, we just wrap up this season where we are preparing our hearts and our minds for Jesus. I don't know how much you've been preparing your hearts and your minds for Christmas. Certainly, maybe you've been preparing by getting some Christmas presents, things like that. I don't want to know if you still need to make a Christmas present or two or buy any. Uh, there's always preparation involved, but Today we just want to prepare our hearts again for the parties and for Jesus coming again. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2. This is a very traditional place to look for the Christmas story. We're just going to read some of this and then tonight we're going to read the rest of this story. I hope that you can join us 6 o'clock as we sing some more and light some candles. For the last three weeks, whether you've been with us or not, we've been talking about how this Christmas season the Christmas story really began in darkness. Because of a nation of Israel being in darkness because of their sin, their rebellion against God, God said, uh, there's going to be a consequence to your sin. The Assyrians are going to come. They're going to take you over. It's, it's not going to be pretty. But he said, but even in that darkness, I've got some hope for you. And we've talked about this, that Jesus came to give hope. Jesus came because of our own sinfulness. It wasn't just a nation a couple thousand years ago, but it was because of our sinfulness. It was because of our brokenness that Jesus had to come. So we are all in a darkness. We all have, every single one of us, have a need for God. And then we go through dark seasons. We go through dark periods of our life where it just seems bleak and we're in distress and all of this. And, and it again causes us to see that we have a need for Jesus right now. And so in this darkness, God offers a gift to every single one of us, His Son. Just as you're going to hopefully get a gift and it'll have your name on it and you will open it up. This gift of Jesus is for you. I hope that you would receive it, that you would open it up, that you would find out that there's great joy in this gift. Today, as we look in Luke chapter 2, I want us to consider finding joy in the journey. Finding joy in the journey. We are all on a journey through life. We are all in specific seasons, but I would hope that you would find joy in your life, that you would find joy even in the season that you're going through right now. So let me start by asking this. You don't have to out, uh, answer this out loud, but are you finding joy in your journey? Are you finding joy in your life? Are you finding joy in the season that you're going through right now? And, and it's not just Grinch and who's that other guy that's ball humbug? What's his name? Scrooge, yeah, thanks. It's not just Scrooge that says, no, I'm not finding joy. I mean, life is difficult. And at times we can just honestly answer as we look into our own heart and soul and say, man, I, I'm not finding any joy right now. 
My question is, are you finding deep soul satisfaction that your soul would just say, oh man, it's good right now, and that it would leak up and go to your face, and that you're just walking around like Buddy the Elf, you know, just, ooh, this is so good. Uh, are you living that way? Are you finding joy in your life, in, even in this season right now? If you are, fantastic. If you aren't, that's good too, because you're in the right place this morning. Because Jesus brings out joy. He brings out a deep joy that will start in our soul and that it would rise up to our face and it would affect the way we live and affect the way that we uh, work with other people. And so what, this is what I want for you today, that you would find joy in your journey. This is what I want for myself that I would find joy in every season, in the difficult times, in the great times, in all seasons that you and I would find joy. And I believe that this is what God wants for all of us as well, that we would find joy in the journey. Go ahead and say this if you want this. Say, I want a deep joy. Go ahead and, you know, don't use the hand that has a pencil. You're going to hurt yourself. But the other hand, just say, I want a deep joy. If you do. If you don't, just keep your hands to your side. But everybody that wants deep joy, just go like this with me and go, oh, I want a deep joy. Come on. Yeah, right here. You want that? More than just a joy of, oh, good, I got a gift card and it's $5 more than what I thought it would be. No, like, I want a deep joy. I want a joy that will last after Christmas Day. I want a deep joy. Well, we can have a joy in this journey. Now, I know that some people have already left. They are on a journey to grandmother's house through the river, over the river, and through the woods, right? Some of you might be going on a journey later today or tomorrow through the river, over the river, and through the woods. You know that one. We might go on those physical journeys, but we are all on a journey of life, and we can, catch this, we can find joy in the journey. You and I can do this. Jesus coming to earth as a baby was a journey. As you maybe sit around the house, as you open a Bible, as you sit with family, I want you to consider that Jesus went on a few physical journeys in his life. He went on a few emotional and spiritual journeys as well. We're going to look at a couple of these this morning. And as I was considering the life of Jesus and the journeys that he took, many were quite painful. And yet for Jesus, he found joy in the journey. So I'd like to look at a couple of those journeys this morning so that you and I could learn from Jesus so that we could find joy in our journey. Write this down if you would, that traveling on a journey makes for some great stories. It really does. Traveling, physically traveling, makes for some great stories. They might be bad journeys, but it's a great story. And you should share these stories with your family. You should ask somebody, tell me about a journey you went on. Tell me about some traveling you did. I want to hear this story. I was thinking about some of the journeys I've taken throughout my life. Our family got to go to Europe a few years ago. We went to Europe, had a fantastic time. I think back on that trip, and I think, oh, great joy. In the process, I think, though I was freaked out a few times. It was great joy. It brought smiles to my face, just being with my family, seeing some great places. But you've got to know this about our journey. We had no GPS in Europe the entire time. We had no cell phone to direct us. I just kind of went, okay, we're going to Rome. How big can Rome be? We'll find our place. I found joy in the journey just being with family. 
Now, when I talk to my wife about that, and I go, do you remember that one day? She's like, stop right now. I mean, her anxiety level just goes up. I mean, even first service, she was just like, stop talking about this trip. She had a hard time finding joy in this. Me, I found great joy in it. One day we were driving our car, and all of a sudden it was parked, and all of a sudden we started hearing this weird beeping noise. And I'm like, what's that? That's like a big noise that's telling people something. I wonder what that is. Until I realized it was the drawbridge saying that it was going up, and we were on the bridge. Urge back up. See this drawbridge go up and go, oh man, we almost went up 30 feet on a drawbridge. I was just smiling, thinking, man, this brings so much joy, hanging out with my family, telling stories about this. My wife, on the other hand, is just like, oh. Another time we drove our car into this little village, and we get there, and I said, can you tell us where to park the car? And the guy in his accent says, no cars in this village. Get out. I'm like, what? We get out. I mean, this was like Chevy Chase's vacation. I mean, everything sometimes that could go wrong went wrong. I had joy. I'm like, what a great story to tell. My wife's like, no, this is miserable. How can you find joy? Sometimes you can. Sometimes you can't. But it might not be a physical journey. It might be an emotional journey. I watched my dad go through cancer, battle cancer for seven years. Like, how do you have joy in that journey? How do you, as a son or a wife, or when you go through that yourself, how do you find joy in that journey? And this is what I want us to consider today, because we can. Because of Jesus, we can find joy in all journeys. I want us to consider the life of Jesus. Luke chapter 2, let me read the first seven verses here. Again, tonight we will look at the rest of the story. If you can make it, join us 6 o'clock. We'll light some candles, read more of this story. But let me read the first seven verses and talk about a journey here. In those days, a decree was sent out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The Roman Empire says, you know what, my empire, let's have everybody uh, registered so that we can tax them and get more money. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. Everybody's going on a journey right here. Everybody go back to your own hometown so they can count you, so that they can tax you. Everybody's going on this journey in the Roman Empire. And Joseph also went up from Galilee. This is a region in the north from the town of Nazareth. To Judea, this is a region about 70 miles south of here. To the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. This is King David. So uh, the, uh, this is the great King David of the glory years of this nation. Joseph comes from this line. So he's making this journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem to be registered with Mary, his betrothed who was with child and while they were there the time came for her to give birth and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn let's just stop there and consider this Joseph and Mary are going on a journey sometimes there's got to be no joy in that being pregnant 
taking care of a pregnant wife uh, and going by, I'm not sure, it wasn't an air-conditioned car, it wasn't a car that had uh, heated seats, difficult journey that they're making these 70 miles to Bethlehem. Jesus, on the other hand, this was a pretty comfortable journey for him. He's just hanging out in the comfort of a womb, and he's like, man, this is just great. He's making the 70-mile journey, maybe not as comfortable for Mary and Joseph. But 33 years later, Jesus, he made a journey to the cross. No comfort in that one, or very little. Some comfort maybe with some people. We'll see some of the comfort he received. Then I started thinking about some of Jesus' other journeys. I thought, okay, one day he leaves his throne in heaven. He and the Father and the Spirit, they, okay, we got this plan. We're going to go save humanity. Jesus, leave your comforts of everything here and go be a fetus in the womb of this teenage girl. Live in poverty for a few years. We're just not going to be able to figure this one out. I mean, this is not just going to Sierra Leone and roughing it for a few days. This is leaving glory, relationship with the Father like this. And this is a crazy journey that Jesus takes. Sometime after he's born, in the first couple of years, they get news that Herod wants to kill all the babies in the Bethlehem area. So Mary and Joseph get a message from God, take another journey. You thought that journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem is bad. I want you to now go a couple hundred miles to Egypt. I want you to go from all family. I want you to go to a foreign land. I'm just going to have you escape there because I want to protect you there. Now Jesus as a little guy probably doesn't know much of that story. But again, Mary and Joseph, what a journey that was. Then they get news, okay, Herod's dead. You can go all the way back home to Nazareth, another journey. Each year, Jesus would come down to Jerusalem for the feasts and the Passover, and that was a journey. And his journeys just usually were not that comfortable, not as comfortable as maybe your journey was even driving to church this morning. Kids, I just got to tell you, you've got it made in the shade when you go on journeys. I mean, just ask your parents what it was like, or their, your grandparents, what it was like going to grandma's house back in the day. What it was like. They're going to tell you that they did not have iPads. They did not have DVDs or whatever you have. They did not have their own individual iPhone. You kids have it made on these journeys. These journeys are easy. Amen? Some of us parents are like, man, this is... I was trying to think, what did I have when I went to grandma's house as a little guy? All I had was a brother to fight with in the back seat, all right? I mean, that was it. No iPhones, no iPads, and so we, you know, we just got along and fought. On the radio, we, we had this radio, we really only had AM, and dad would just listen to Paul Harvey. Remember that, all right? I mean, I'm like, man, Really? You kids have it made. You almost probably have your own music to listen to and all this. We got it made. I was thinking, though, kids, you do have one area where you got it tougher than we did. All right? You have to wear seat belts. All right? We didn't have to wear seat belts. It probably wasn't safe. But, man, oh, we had much more fun. We could play football in the back seat. We could sit on that back ledge, right? I mean, we, we could do all of this. We're just running around and... We could do all that. You, you, so you kids don't have it completely fun, safer. But the j- journeys of Jesus were usually quite difficult. And yet, there's a passage in Hebrews chapter 12. It's in your notes. I'd like you to look at it here. It says this concerning his journeys. For the joy 
that was before him, that is Jesus, he endured the cross. Joy and cross, those words usually don't go together. Despising the shame and now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And I'm looking at this, Jesus, how could you in such a journey as going to the cross have joy? How how could you do that? Whatever you might be going through this morning, how can you find joy in the journey? Because Jesus finds joy in the journey that even leads him to a cross. So Jesus, how did you find journey to endure, or how did you find joy to endure a cross? So how do you and I find joy to endure whatever difficulty you're going through right now? Notice this, if you would, that the joy in Jesus' journey was a product of his obedience. There's joy he experiences because he is obedient to the Father, and there's this hope that you and I would receive his gifts that he had purchased for us. I imagine Jesus, part of his joy is, listen, I find joy that the Father is giving me joy because I'm being obedient. I know that I'm doing the very right thing. And I know this, that what I'm going to do is that people will receive this gift that I'm offering to them. Kids, if you get a gift tonight or tomorrow, you should say thank you, all right? It might not be the right color, the right size, whatever. Just somebody gave this gift to you. Be thankful. Jesus, for the joy set before him, he can endure the cross because he knows I'm doing the right thing. I'm being obedient to the Father, and I know that people will receive my gift that I purchased for them. Think about this, if you would. You and I can find joy in obedience to the Father. Now, you're not going to be able to muster up this joy on your own, but God's going to produce a joy in you when you are obedient. When you feel like grumbling and complaining, and yet you give thanks, God produces his joy in you. When you don't want to be thankful, and yet you give thanks in all circumstances, God's going to produce his joy in you. When you feel like being Scrooge or the Grinch or whatever it is, and yet you rejoice in the Lord always, somehow he's going to produce more joy in you. As you are obedient, God's going to produce this in you. You and I can find joy in the journey as we are obedient to what God has asked us to do. Think of this, if you would, that if joy just came from what we get, that joy fades quickly, doesn't it? Think about this. The kids get excited, and we were kids at one point. We'd get excited Christmas morning, and we love this gift. But sometimes by the night of Christmas, that gift's already lost. That gift might be broken. A week later, we've forgotten about that gift. If joy is just found in that gift, it fades quickly, right? For some, Christmas morning, here's what it's going to be like. You get the gift. Oh, man, thank you, thank you, this is so good. And then there's a massive letdown. But what God offers to you and me is a joy that we can use in difficult times. God offers this joy to us that you can use at all times. This is the joy that Jesus has. This is the joy that Jesus experiences through obedience to the Father. This is the joy that Jesus has from knowing that I am going to be blessing others. And somehow, as we are obedient to God, he produces a deep joy in you. This is what he does. You are obedient, he produces more joy. 
say this if this is what you want. I want a deep joy. I want a deep joy. I want a deep joy. I want a Dutch Brothers gift card for my wife, but I want a deep joy, all right? That gift card's going to be nice, but it's going to be gone, and it will produce some joy, but I want a deep joy, and I want a pair of socks or something like that, and that will be nice, but I want a deep joy because I know that there are going to be difficulties in my life, and I want something that's going to hold me together in that, amen? So go ahead and say this if this is what you want this morning. I want a deep joy. I want a deep joy. I want a deeper joy in my journey. Let me share a few thoughts with you on this then. That there is joy in the journey when I know and I trust a few things. There's going to be joy in this journey when I know a few things. When I trust God for a few things. I'd like to share three of those with you this morning. There is deep joy when I know a few things. When I trust a few things. First of all, that God orchestrates the details of my life. That God orchestrates the details of my life. This does not mean that I'm a robot, that he makes me do everything. Certainly he gives me choices, but God is orchestrating the details all around my life. As I'm looking at the story of Jesus, I I see this and understand that God the Father is in control. He's sovereign. He's God. He's king. He's not caught off guard. The father's not going, oh no, Caesar Augustus just issued a decree. Ah, didn't know that. He doesn't say, oh no, I didn't know that the doctor was going to say that to them. Oh, he didn't say, oh no, I didn't know that that person was going to become the president. Oh no, I didn't know that the city was going to vote this way. Oh no, I didn't know that my kid was going to make that choice. God is not caught off guard. He's actually orchestrating all the details of my life. As I thought about this, even the life of Jesus, there's a prophecy that God shares, and he says, tell the people this, that a Messiah is going to come from Bethlehem. Years later, God, through the Holy Spirit, has his son in Mary's womb. Joseph's here. How do I get Joseph down to Bethlehem? Because I told everybody he was going to be in Bethlehem. How do I do this? I could send him on a road trip or... I could orchestrate the details and have the Roman emperor send out a census and tell everybody, go back to your own hometown. And guess where Joseph's hometown is? Bethlehem. Guess what? Joseph ends up here. It's like, man, how, how did all that happen? And I just sit there and say, oh, the depths of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Amen? I mean, I I can't understand all the aspects of my life. Why did this happen? Why did this happen? Why didn't this happen? I don't know all this, but I know, oh, the depths of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Who can understand his judgments, his paths beyond tracing out? And he is orchestrating all the details of my life. And it is for good. You see, Jesus knew this. Jesus trusted this. He said, the cross is not an accident. Jesus didn't go, wait, wait a second. What? A cross? He's like, I I knew this was happening. My father's orchestrating the details. Jesus actually said, is there another way we could do this? But not my way, your way be done. And I'm going to know and trust that you are orchestrating all the details even the gory details, even the brutal details. I'm going to know this and trust this, that you are orchestrating the details of my life. 
As I was preparing for our Bible study in January in the book of Genesis, I started looking at the book or the life of uh, Joseph. Joseph? Joseph? Yeah, Joseph. Man, his life is messed up. I mean, he, he's treated wrongly and he's beaten and he's sold into slavery and falsely accused and all of this. And Joseph could have said, wait a second, what's going on? And yet God was with him, and God was orchestrating all the details. And at the end of this, we look back and it says, oh, God was doing all of that to save countless numbers of lives. Oh, now we see it. God was orchestrating all along. Joseph's going through and saying, man, this doesn't look good. You might be saying that this morning. This doesn't look good, but if you know and if you trust that God is orchestrating your life, you can have joy in the journey. Say this to yourself. Write this down. Just preach this to yourself. God's in control. God's in control. You, you've got to know this, that God is in control. When it feels like, my, I didn't see this coming, God's in control. How many times would that just lower our anxiety level when I didn't know that that bill would show up? God's in control. He's orchestrating the details of my life. And if I know that and trust that, I can somehow find joy in the journey and go, wait a second, I'm just on this journey. It's crazy at times. But God's orchestrating all the details of my life. But it doesn't just stop there. Let's look at another thought. There's joy in the journey when I know and trust that God uses hardships to grow me. Write this down. Think through this. There's joy in the journey when I know and trust that God uses hardships to grow me. Jesus knew this. Jesus trusted in the work of the Father. In the difficult road to the cross, His faith was growing. I'm trusting the Father more and more and more. The cross was going to grow the family of Jesus. He goes, I, I know that this hardship is going to be for my good. It's going to be for your good. Jesus says, these hardships are going to grow me. They're going to grow my family. Write this passage down, James chapter 1. Let's look at this here on the screen. Count it all joy. All right, count what joy? Count it all joy when you meet trials. What? Of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or perseverance. And let steadfastness then have its full effect that you may be mature, complete, perfect, lacking nothing. This is what God wants for us. That you and I would be mature and complete and perfect in our faith. And he goes, I'll get you there through difficulties. I'll get you there through hardships. That maybe is not the way we want I just want to grow in an easy manner. I remember a gentleman sitting back there, and I've told this story multiple times, but it just had such an impact on my life. On a Sunday morning, I see an older gentleman who's now with the Lord. He said, how was your week? And I said, oh, it was difficult. And I said, but this week, I'm asking God to give me an easy week. And he goes, no, 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 no. Don't do that, little buddy. I'm like, what? What are you talking about, old man? He goes, listen, if you have an easy week, God won't grow your faith. If you have an easy week, you won't rely on the Lord. If you have an easy week, God won't be able to grow you. I'm like, oh man, I got a sermon from that old guy before the message even started that day. I haven't forgotten that. God grows us through hardships. And we really have two choices, to embrace 
the difficulties by the grace of God or to escape the difficulties. Write these two words down. Embrace or escape. How do you handle your difficulties? Do you embrace them and say, I'm going to let them draw me closer to God? Or do you escape and say, I'm going to numb the pain. I'm going to run from the pain. I'm just going to sleep it away. I wrote those words down this week, sleep it away. And I thought, you know what? I'm a great sleeper. I've always been a great sleeper. I, I, I can sleep anytime, anywhere. I mean, just we wouldn't have, I, I could sleep right here, right now, you know. And I think I've used this, frankly, as a mode to escape certain things. Sometimes I go home discouraged on a Sunday. And I'm not just physically tired because I've shared at a couple services. But sometimes I just want to escape. I don't want the pain. I don't want to think about the hardships. And I just want to go into unconsciousness for a while, right? That's one of the ways I escape. I've just been evaluating this and say, wait a second. I don't need a nap because I'm tired. I'm wanting a nap because I really want to escape having to feel and think certain things. So my, I'm sitting there going, I, I, I sleep things away. Growing up, we would drive to Grandma's house almost every Christmas, it seems like, up in Wenatchee, Washington. Beautiful. We'd see snow and all of this. Well, Mom and Dad and brother would see snow. I wouldn't because I'd sit there and say, I don't want to endure seven hours with my little brother in the back seat. I'm going to sleep it away. This is going to be my means for escape. I just don't want to deal with that pain of being with this little booger for seven hours. As an adult, then, I would drive my kids up to great-grandma's house. And I remember one time going up with my brother, and I'm like, has that mountain always been here? He's like, yeah. Did that restaurant always there with those good milkshakes? He goes, yeah. You always slept it away. You missed the mountain. Sometimes we'd get milkshakes without you. I'm like, what? Because when hardship came, I was like, I just want to sleep it away. A few years back when we did that trip to Europe, we're driving through Ireland. I mean, who wouldn't want to drive through Ireland on a bus? You don't have to drive. You just get to see the beauty of the landscape. I sat there and thought, ah. I don't want to be on a bus. I slept it away. Slept it away. We get to one stop and my kids go, Dad, can you believe it? We drove by the golf course where your favorite golfer, Phil Mickelson, plays every time he comes to Ireland. Wasn't that so cool? I'm like, what? I slept it away. I thought it was a hardship. There was actually going to be a blessing in it. I slept it away. As I'm thinking through this, I wonder when we go through life and difficulties of life, are we avoiding the journey by sleeping it away where we should be soaking it in? Write those words down. Do you sleep away whatever sleeping might be for you to escape? Do you sleep away the hardships or do you soak them in and say, God, I want to be closer to you through this? Pretty natural for us to want to sleep them away. But you can find joy in the journey when you say, okay, God, I'm going to, I'm going to soak in these difficulties so that you can produce joy in me even in this journey. Go through t- trouble. You can either escape it 
or you can embrace it. God, heal me through this. Maybe it's shame. You can either escape that and hide, or you can say, God, I need healing from you. I'm going to soak this shame in. I can soak in the difficult times, or I can sleep them away. I can embrace them, or I can escape them. I'm going to tell you that we are going to find joy in the journey when we know and trust that God lovingly is growing me through the hardships. Go ahead and say this to yourself. He's not done with me yet. He's not done with me yet. Some of you need to preach that message to yourself today, every day. He's not done with me yet. There's a hardship and you're like, man, is it? he's not done with me yet. He's growing me. This situation stinks. He's not done with me yet not done with me yet and guess what that starts to do as you preach that message that somehow joy starts coming he's not done with me yet he's still growing me (laughs) there's joy in me he's not done with me yet let me share one last thought then there's joy in the journey when I know and trust that God will secure my arrival home that God will secure my arrival home I think this certainly is one of the saving graces for Jesus. As he's going to the cross, he knows this, he trusts this, that the Father will secure my arrival home. I left home, I lived this life, now I've got this gruesome crucifixion. I'm going to take on the sins of all of these people. My hands will be pierced. My feet will be pierced. They will put a crown of thorns on my head. They're going to beat my back to a pulp. But here's what I know and here's what I trust, that the Father is going to secure my arrival home. Wow. This is what Jesus went to the cross for you. You see, life was very tough for Jesus. Death inevitable, the crucifixion, worst thing imaginable. But for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. (laughs) That's where he is right now. That's where he is today, preparing a place for you, interceding and praying for you. That's where he is right now because the Father secured that. This is why Jesus says, I can have joy in the journey. For the joy set before me, I can endure the cross. I don't know what your cross is. Some of you have actually told me what some of your crosses are. Praying for, the, praying for you this week, and I just know a small number of the pains. My heart just got heavy. It's like, Jesus, these people are enduring crosses. It stinks. But wait, there's joy in the journey. Because God, you are orchestrating. You are orchestrating the details of their life for your glory and actually for their good. So they could tell their kids and their grandkids and their church family and their co-workers. And God, these hardships are actually growing their faith in you, their trust in you. You're growing them so that they'd be mature and complete. God, you are going to secure their arrival home. Somehow as I think that, I'm like, God, you got this. Go ahead and do this. Say, he's got this. He's got this. He's got me. Do it. I, seriously, right now. Go Say this to yourself. He's got this. I'm seeing, not all, everybody's doing this, all right? 
Even if you don't believe it, just do it because I've asked you to. Yeah, let me have faith for you. He does have this. Say this. He's got this. He's got this. He's got this. And as you preach these messages to yourself, yeah, he's in control. He's got this. He's not done with me yet. He's got this. And as you preach that to yourself, all of a sudden, I'm not sure where this joy came from. Well, I'll tell you where it's coming from. He's going to produce this joy in you so that you can have joy in this journey. My prayer is that you would know this. My prayer is that you would trust this. That you would have joy in this season. That you would have joy in this lifetime. That God would produce this in you. Later, the angels later say, uh, we've got some good news of great joy that will be for like a few of you. No, we've got some good news of great joy that will be for all people. A Savior is born. A Savior who went on a journey. A Savior who had many journeys. A Savior who for the joy set before him endured the cross. My prayer is that you would find the same joy from God that he'd produce it in you. That you would understand he's got this. He's got you. He's got you. Would you bow your heads and pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness in our life. Sometimes we have to search for that because all we see are the troubles, the hardships. But you have always been orchestrating details of our life. That you would even bring us here today to hear these truths. And God, you are using hardships to grow us. I ask that you would help me and my brothers and sisters to soak the hardships in, that we would draw near to you. You would help us to know and to trust that by faith in Jesus, you will secure our arrival home. But you're not done with us yet. And yet you've got us. And I pray for my brothers and sisters as we go from here today, as we celebrate the birth of your son, as we eat some food and have some fun and laugh and experience the joy of family and gift cards and hanging out with each other and all of this, that you would produce a deep joy in us, a joy that would last longer than today, tomorrow, this week, this season, a joy that would last for this entire journey until you call us home. It's not a joy of easiness. It's a a joy of walking with you, a joy of knowing and trusting you and your goodness. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters. Some of their stories break in my heart. But God, you are the one who sent your son and it led to a cross and it's miserable, but it led to resurrection and life forevermore. And that's what you're doing in us. So may this Christmas be one, God, would you help us 
to embrace even the difficulties, to look to you and produce your joy in us for your glory, for the sake of others. We pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus.